All right. We love you, mate. Let's pray for you. Come, Holy Spirit. Simple prayer. Fill him up. Fill Kirk up with your love this morning in your presence. And as we just uh, talked about through Psalm 103 and just prayed about, come speak what's true. Come speak what's true about you. Come speak what's true about us. That we would know you more. That we would see you more. That your kingdom would break in our lives more. And that we'd be more like Jesus. In your name, Lord. Amen. Awesome. Whoop. Just dropped me back a fraction there, Wayne. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Hey, before um, I just go any further, let's, let's take a minute. Obviously, uh, it would be right for us to take a moment to pray for our new king. Now, we live a long way away, and many of us might be slow to say the words, our king, but he is our king. So, And it's one of the roles that he plays as um, the king of England is the head of the Anglican Church, and we love the Anglican Church in all of her uh, representations around the world, and so we're going to pray for her as well because we love the whole body of Christ and we want to see her flourish in this season even more. And so would you just join me for a minute while we pray? Because there's a, these are really significant shifts that take place in the earth. And the, um, there's a whole bunch of spiritual implications and roll-ons and, and um, occurrences that take place at a time like this. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your... Um, your kingdom is fully revealed to us in your son, Jesus. We love you, King Jesus. And we, um, we thank you, King Jesus, for your presence at a moment like this in the earth where, uh, you know, the queen has uh, passed into your presence. We believe that. She had such a firm faith in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for her life. Thank you for her faith in you and thank you for her servant leading throughout the world we ask now that god as her son becomes king as charles is king over the united kingdom and the the reign and of all the the nations of the commonwealth we ask heavenly father for a visitation of your holy spirit at a time like this that you'd quicken his heart and his mind to the centrality of your love for him in Jesus, the true king above all kings. We pray, Lord Jesus, that like his mum, her, her, her longing would be that the day where she could lay down her crown, she said it, Lord, she wanted to lay down her crown before you, Jesus. That was her ultimate desire. And so we ask, Lord, that that same heart might be in her son, that he would want to be one whose life elevates you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we, we pray for a fresh visitation and an outpouring of your presence on the Church of England, the Anglican communions, there's a few of them these days, but pour it out all over the world, we pray, Holy Spirit. Bless the church, we pray. Bless her, Lord, at a time like this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for that, guys. Appreciate that. You know, during that song, um, 
I think it was the second last song, you know, um, there was a lyric there about the whole earth would be filled. Um, the whole earth would be filled with his presence. I think, I can't even remember the lyric. What was it? I can't remember it. Anyway, and I feel like the Lord was saying to me, you know, it's really hard for people to catch the, the grandeur of his vision when they can't even catch a vision for their own life. How, how are you supposed to give yourself to such a grand vision when we haven't even given ourselves to the vision of Jesus for our own life? There was a sense in which the Holy, was, Holy Spirit was saying, let me envision you again. Let me envision you again with the grandeur of Jesus for your life so that you can participate in his grand vision for the whole earth. You can't do the whole earth vision without doing the vision for your life, God's grand vision for your life. So this morning, we, I, I just want to, I think God's in on that. I think he's zeroing in on that for a number of us in the room today. Hey, when I was about um, 12, I was in Canberra as a young bloke and I was um, on a camp with about, I don't know, I was about five or six hundred others. And um, as part of that camp, we were doing all of these uh, adventure-based activities and, um, you know, everything from abseiling, high ropes type stuff. You know, you climb up a pole and you have the thing hooked on your back and you've got to leap, you know, out into the, into the air and hope the rope just does its job or the person on the other end is doing their job. You have to trust, you know, when you're abseiling, you have to trust the, the person at the base that they're lapelling you, with you along the way so that if, you, you know, you miss your, your step or whatever, there's someone there to help catch you and navigate you on the way down. But um, as we're doing all of this, I, uh, we, went, we went and had lunch this one day and it was beside uh, this big river. Actually, I'll get you to um, jump onto the next slide. Thanks, Isaac. Um, there was this big river where we were having lunch and it had this um, really noticeable current flowing through it. And... As a bunch of young guys, you know, this wasn't one of the authorised activities. I don't think we did health and safety risk analysis in those days. It was just, let's just go. Um, and, um, but anyways, as we're sitting there having lunch, someone yelled out, let's just get in the river. And it was like, and then before you know it, we didn't even finish our lunch. You know, we were all just jumping in this river. And it had quite a strong current. Um, and some of the guys were yelling out, let's see who can get to the other side. Righto, because, you know, when young fellas do stuff together, it's always a competition. <laughs> it's never just for the enjoyment. It's always a competition. I did it quicker, faster, higher, all that stuff. And um, they were just, everyone, so everyone was competing with each other, like just to try and get over to the other side. And it, was, it wasn't ankle deep, it wasn't knee deep or hip deep, chest deep. It was deeper than our our very selves. And so we couldn't touch the, the bottom of the river. But the current was strong and we were all just fighting to get across 
this river. And ultimately, um, you know, a number of us didn't get to the other side. We just couldn't do it. It was too strong. The current was way too strong. And, um, but what we were doing is we were fighting against the current. And at the same time, the current was taking us down the river while we were trying to get across it. But the current in the river was taking us down. And as we were going down and we're fighting against the current, we're banging our knees on rocks that are underneath the waterline, we're hitting our feet, we're, you know, just climbing over the top of each other. It was just a full-on. And, um, and it, it, in the space of about, I don't know, it was maybe only 50 metres at best that, that we'd entered in, by the time we'd been taken by the current 50 metres down the river, uh, we were completely exhausted, out of energy, and, and fo- but fortunately the current, the way that it moved through the river, it sort of spat us out onto a little bit of a landing at the end of, the, end of that sort of part of the river. And so we were able to get out and, and then, you know, Let's do that again. So we'd run, we'd run back up the, you know, beside the river and then we'd just be like jumping in again and trying to get across the river. Um, only a few made it across. Uh, but after doing that like three or four times, um, the, the, the goal changed. The goal changed from trying to get across the river to let's see if we can just get down the river without getting injured. That was the next goal. And so we just, we, what we did was we had to learn, the first few times I went down, I was just fighting the, the current the whole way, just trying to navigate, the, tell the current almost how to take me down the river to get me out at the, you know, the little landing down the river, down the ways. And it took me three or four times to realise if I just stopped fighting the current and let the current take me, it would be a much more enjoyable experience. Much more. And so after a little while, three or four times getting banged knees and bruises and like, uh, I just relaxed in the water and actually discovered there was a sense of buoyancy when I did that. My body kind of just was a bit more buoyant. It wasn't like heavy in the water and as I relaxed the the current of the river just took me down without banging into rocks and sticks and each other and and it still did what it did which was it took us down and it spat us out I I, this morning a couple of weeks ago we started with this um, little series called come to the river and we looked at this, this prophetic picture that Ezekiel had. When Ezekiel was living in a time of great oppression, being dispossessed and exiled from everything, and then all of a sudden the presence of God shows up when he's about 30 years of old and he's beside the river. And the presence of God shouldn't have turned up there because the presence of God was way back in Jerusalem in the temple. But all of a sudden... The presence of God turns up in this really funky kind of revelation dream of all sorts of spinning wheels and creatures and eyeballs and stuff. It's, if you go and read in Ezekiel 47 around there, it's amazing. It's really amazing. 
And, but really what it was, it was the presence of God saying, hey, Ezekiel, I'm here. And God was showing up where he shouldn't. And we just started to talk about what would it be like if we recognised where God was showing up in our lives where, we don't, you know, where he shouldn't. And then all of a sudden, the invitation from God to Ezekiel was, hey, Ezekiel, come into the river. Come into this river of my kingdom. And I'm going to do some stuff here. And I'm going to promise you some stuff. And I want you to enter into it. And um, as part of that, it was that whole Ezekiel said, you know, it wasn't knee deep. It wasn't, it was ankle deep. And then it, it started as a trickle. And then the, the presence of the angel near Ezekiel said, hey, can you see it, Ezekiel? Can you see this move of God that's happening in your life? Can you see this move of God that's happening in the nation of people? Can you see it, Ezekiel? For all of the oppression and the depression and the anxiety and the, the grief and the pain of being dispossessed, can you see it, Ezekiel? In fact, he calls him a son of man, which is actually some language that then later on gets attributed to Jesus. Jesus is the, man, the son of man. Um, and he says to Ezekiel, can you see it? And Ezekiel sees it and it gets deeper and deeper and wider and more profound and powerful. And God invites Ezekiel into what God is doing. But it often seems insignificant and it often seems where God shows up where he shouldn't. This morning, I want to I talk about the destination you know that little bit where the, I was talking earlier where the current took me down this river and it spat me out at the landing point? I want to talk about the destination of where God wants to take us all. In fact, he is taking us there and we will, there, we will arrive there. Whether you fight the current or not, God will have his way and bring you through. So if you've got your Bible, open it up. It's right at the very, very last bit of the book. Revelation 22. The very last pages of the book. Again, um, now last week we were talking about, you know, the great love of the Father written by John the Evangelist when he was an old man looking back. But this morning, uh, this, this is the same guy, but this is before he's old. This is when he's a, well, he's, I don't know, he's probably about a little bit old, um, younger than I am now. But anyway, he's, and at this stage, he's, John is living on Patmos. Patmos is the island that the Christians were sent to, to do hard labour, work in the mines and provide for Rome. And Patmos, he was sent there because the Christians, if they were caught practising prophecy, which was the very thing uh, one of the graces of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, for practicing prophecy, they were considered as practicing dark spiritual pagan practices, magic, because it was it was um, it was not leading people unto um, uh, Caesar to Rome. It was leading people away from Caesar and unto Jesus as another king, and so the the, the ruling. Uh, guy at the time, Domitian, he said, right, that John, get him out of here. He's going to Patmos. So John spent some time on Patmos. 
Not an easy existence. Fighting for his very existence. And there, he too, displaced, in exile, under oppression, spiritually being tried to shut down, there, he too, has an encounter with the, with the living God. This angel appears to him. And in Revelations 22, have a look at this. So don't forget Ezekiel 47, back in the long story of God, because everything finds fulfillment, okay? God didn't utter the old stuff in the Old Testament just to fill some pages, <laughs> write a story that's somehow different to and doesn't connect to the fulfillment of his story. And so here's John on Patmos having a moment with God. Revelation 22, uh, if we can just, yep, if you haven't got your Bible, it's up there on the screen. Thanks, Isaac. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. This is, this is hundreds and hundreds of years later from when Ezekiel first saw God was going to do something with a river. Um, the angel of the Lord showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. Now, just let's put some picture to that. So God the Father ruling and reigning on the throne and now beside him is the crucified Lamb, i.e. it's Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't it interesting that the resurrected ruling king rules as a crucified, sacrificed lamb? I know that's hard to hold together, but that's how it happens. He's a sacrificial king. He bleeds out so that his kingdom can come to life. And the city, it's interesting because if you start at the very start of the book in Genesis, it starts with a garden where God fills the whole garden with his presence. And now, at the end of the book, God is showing um, John, the revelator, he's saying, guess what, mate? It started with a small garden, but this thing is now going to fill, it's going to be a city. Now, if you know anything about a city, just take a glance at our own city, the city of Brisbane. It is a huge metropolis of people and culture and art and food and amazing things. It's, it goes from being a garden to a city. In other words, God's saying this thing is getting bigger and bigger and bigger when it comes to my kingdom and my ruling and reigning, and it's going to fill the whole earth. Psalms, you go back into the Psalms, it talks about that. The glory of God is going to fill the whole earth even as the waters cover the sea. And then all, so here's John, he's seeing this city of God. It's descending and it's taking over the whole earth. And, in all, and, and right there in the middle of it is this picture of the reality that God the Father and the crucified risen Son of God, Jesus, is ruling and reigning, and from them is emanating this river that flows from them. And he says it goes right down the guts, right up the center of everything that exists. It's not trickling off to the side as a little tributary. 
It's not kind of a wave over there. It's this informing reality of his loving presence that is going right to the center of everything and claiming the center and filling everything from the center. This is the destination. This is that little bit of landing that the river will spit us out into if we will trust the current to take us there. Now, you can fight it all you want, but Jesus Christ is King and He is Lord and He has His way in the end of the end. But it's interesting. Let me just keep going here. On each side of the river stood the trees of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Remember Ezekiel had the same picture. All these trees down the side of the river. They were fruiting every month. (laughs) It was like out of season even. They were fruiting. Yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Remember that? That's what Ezekiel said. Healing for the whole world flows from the centering reality of Jesus and the, and the presence of the Father's love inhabiting the whole world. Healing. No longer will there be any curse. Praise God for that. John is, is, is seeing that, that this current of the, infill, of, of the outpouring of God's work from the of, from the destination where we're all heading, it, he's, he's saying now there will be no more sin. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more discord. There will be no more brokenness, depression, anxiety, mental health issues, physical brokenness, poverty, injustice, abuse. There will be no more curse. They will see his face. And his name will be on their head. (laughs) Wow. That's an ownership issue. That's Jesus saying, You're mine. (laughs) You're mine. And didn't you love it how last week John the uh, John the Evangelist and as an old bloke, he made sure it was inscripturated. I'm his beloved. (laughs) Beloved, you're his. You belong to Jesus. There will be no more night. There will be no uh, no need the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Wow. Wow. One of the words that I want to pick up on there is that John calls this this river, he says it's it's a river of the water of life. Now this this word life is really important for John. It seems like such a small word. And it's actually three little letters in the Greek. Z-O-E. Zoe. Life. And if you read John, anything that John's written, whether it's his gospel 
whether it's his letters, whether it's the revelation that he received, when he uses this word life, it all joins up right the way through. Now, this little word zoe, it means absolute fullness and abundance and generosity. It means dynamic power and, lo- and fullness of life. And you see, what John is doing here is, is he's inviting people to come into life now. Jesus is our fullness. It's, it's you know, I, again, I love that song that you picked there, Simone, you know, that lyric that says, um, oh, I've heard people, they've, they've got lots of stories about what they think you're like, God. I mean, I've heard a lot of crap out there. You've probably heard a whole bunch of rubbish too about what they think you're like. And it's always secondhand. It's never, it's never their own experience. It's them reflecting on the people around them that they're angry at or it's coming out of their own pain and bitterness. It's, ne- it's never him. It's just what they think he's like. It's our thinkings that we lay over Jesus. And John is saying here in this moment, there is coming a destination where there will be such a revelation of who Jesus is and it will be so fulfilling and so full and so dynamic and so generous, no one will miss it. And it it will blow apart what everybody thinks that they think he's like and they will see him as he truly is. Wow. (laughs) People have so many perceptions about us as his people. And unfortunately, they're right. Where we've made it about behaviour management where we've made it about narrow thinking or rule-based relationships, where we've said, oh, just buckle down, tough it out, it'll all be right in the end. What a load of rubbish. John here is describing that there is a future that does await us. It is a river of Zoe. It is a river of life. And in doing this, he's reading back into his relationship with Jesus and how Jesus has said that he is life for people and he's life for people right now. Not when we get down the river to that. He's saying that's a given. Get in the river. You'll end up there. But don't miss what he's doing in the river now. Don't miss what he's doing right now to bring this Zoe life. He's reading, John's reading back into Revelation, this moment here, his experience of Jesus as he walked with him, as he talked with him, as he ate with him, as he cast out demons beside him, as he healed the sick alongside him, as he fed thousands of people. He's reading back into this moment who Jesus was when he walked with him. John 4.14, you remember that encounter where Jesus is with the Samaritan woman at the well? 
This woman ostracized because of her life and the circumstances that were, that, that, that were wrapped up all over it and through it of brokenness. And so she's socially ostracized and, and Jesus goes and asks her for a drink at the well. Yet everyone is trying to keep clear of this woman in John 4. And Jesus says, give me a drink, please. She says, ah, oh, you Jews, we Samaritans, da 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 And he's like, you, you're missing the point here, dear woman. You're missing the point. If you, and he says, if you really knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, he'd actually give you a drink of water. And it would well up. It would begin this spring within you. It would be, it'll begin as a, as a trickle, just a little, a little gushing forth. A spring of Zoe. A little spring of Zoe. A little, a little breaking through of Zoe. And it will so satisfy your whole life. Because that very thing that John's seeing here at the end of the end. He's saying that's already happening in my King Jesus right here and now. For anyone, anyone that would just welcome a drink. The words of Jesus, come, come. Have a drink. Have some paella and a beer. Enjoy the presence of God flowing through people to each other. Enjoy the kingdom and the beauty of it. Wow. It would well up to Zoe in you. It will inform your every life. What about in John 10.10 where Jesus is actually, John's recorded this amazing bit of um, scripture where Jesus is describing himself to his people. I'm a shepherd. I'm a good shepherd. I'm a good shepherd and I've come to break the neck of the enemy and the power of sin that's pervading your life because he robs, he kills, he destroys. He's a thief and a liar and I've come to break his neck and arrest his power. And he said, because I've come that you would have Zoe life and you would have it abundantly, not sparingly. But hang on with the Samaritan woman. It was like a, a little inbreaking, a, a, just a spring. But he does say the spring wells up so that you would come into the John 10, 10 reality that he's such a good shepherd. He is such a good king. He is a wonderful saviour. For John, he's inviting everyone to come into a relationship with Jesus. Right here in this end of the book, Revelation 22. He says that if you would jump into the river, into the reality of Jesus as Lord and King, it's to enter into his Zoe, his life. Now, enter into it now, knowing that ultimately it ends up and we find our final full destination and destiny in the fullness of him then, where he has made and continues to now make all things new in the heavens and on the earth and in his soon coming return. Paul writes it like this in Romans 6, 4. He says, We were therefore buried with Jesus through baptism into his death in order that just as Christ 
was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too would live a new Zoe life now. Now. Life now. Hope now. Healing now. Forgiveness of sin now. Freedom from demonic oppression now. Purpose now. True identity now. True human flourishing now. True grace fruit now. Adventure now. Courage now. Power and authority now. Life Zoe now. John is crying out. Does anyone see what I'm seeing? God is so kind to invite us into such an abundant destination. And yet he breathes back into our circumstance right here and now, knowing where we will one day be spat out of the river and into his presence forever, where there will be no more curse. But in his kindness, he breathes back into our circumstance right here, right now, and he says, jump in the river. Fullness then. John is prophetically prophesying and inspiring our lives to realize that if we would just give ourselves to Jesus' invitation, to his rule and his reign right here and right now, he would truly bring us home. He will give us our true purpose and our true destiny. He will give us a true and full, abundant human experience. No longer one that is the narrow authoring of our own infinite thinking or our own will and determination, but that we have been breathed and born again, not by the will of a person, but by the will of the Spirit of the living God, that we would end up living a Zoe life right here, right now. Paul talks about it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.4. He says, for a while we were, we're in this tent and we groan and we're burdened because we don't wish to become unclothed. We're so bound in shame and brokenness, but we want to desperately somehow be clothed instead with our, our true, eternal, fulfilling, heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal would be swallowed up by Zoe, by Jesus and we want to live that right here now. The reality for the disciple of Jesus is that we live in that future age, even as it's coming into the earth right now. Revelations 22 says, that is now. And then Jesus, a little bit, a few verses on, he says, look, in verse 7, I haven't touched on that. There's a whole other message in there. But Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon. His arrival is on our doorstep. It's a, it's, it's, I couldn't think of a more incredibly succinct illustration of the fact that Prince Charles has had to live his entire life 
with this sense of any moment, any day, I will become king, and yet I don't know when that is, and yet all of a sudden, it's now. Such is the way of King Jesus. He invites us into what he's doing, and we will live in the fullness of who he is, and it will continue to well up within us, and then he will be home. We will be here with him, ruling and reigning alongside him. As if it was a long night with a bad dream and then, I'm coming soon. Living with that sense of imminence. We pray with that sense of imminence. We give with that sense of imminence. We can give it all because it's right, the night is nearly over. See, I'm coming soon. Zoe life. God has such a full abundance in Jesus, a life of fulfillment and, 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 and generosity and overwhelming risk and courage. And along with that, there's a whole other message in this as well. There is a crucified, resurrected life that we live on a daily basis. And that means we will walk with those who are wounded and suffering and in pain. And we ourselves will know what it means to walk with hearts that are wounded. All the while in the river. I love this verse in verse 5 here of Revelation 22, where Jesus says, There will be no more night. There will be no more darkness. There will be no more things in the hidden stuff that will have power and authority to come and rob and kill. There will be no more night. Ultimately, John, as he's seeing this unfolding in front of his eyes, as this angel is, is, is helping him to engage with the, what the Spirit of the Lord is revealing to him, he's saying, ultimately, all the darkness, all the brokenness, all the sinfulness, all the control and self-determination, all the curse and the sickness will be no more. There will be no more living in darkness. It's interesting how John finishes that up. And if you read the very first sentence of his gospel, the very first sentence of his gospel in John chapter 1 verse 1, in Jesus was Zoe. And that Zoe, that life, it's the light for all human beings. It's the first word of his gospel. It's the last word of his revelation. Do you know who you're in a relationship with? When you say Jesus is Lord? Wow. Let's finish at this point. In John 4.14... Well, that, that dear woman at the well, she's, she's thirsty. That's why she's there at the well. She's, she's trying to live with all of the implications of her choices and her brokenness and the brokenness of others that have held her in captivity and all of the religious expectation and the isolation that has flowed from her not being religious enough. 
And along comes Jesus and he says, the water I'll give you, it's like a spring and it'll well up into eternal zoe. It's what I'm about to start here right now in you. If you'll just welcome me, it'll start small. But let me tell you, this is where it ends. Fullness. It ends up in the Lamb of God and the Father ruling and reigning, filling everything with his presence. That's where it ends. That word welling up. I can't say it in the Greek. But it literally means it, 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 two, a few things. But one, it, one means to gush forth. All of a sudden there's a gushing forth. A breaking in. A breaking through. But it's also the same word, this welling up. It's the same word when a crippled person in the Bible is healed and they leap up and all of a sudden they're free to walk. Jesus is saying to this dear woman, if you would, if you would just welcome my, my presence into your life, every crippling reality, everything that's crippled you and held you and bound you, if you just take a drink of who I am, It'll start as, a, as, a, as this little breaking through, this little spring, but it's going to well up over time. It's going to build, it's going to grow, it's going to consume, it's going to fill, and it's going to break you free of every crippling thing. Such is the kindness of Jesus. Such is Jesus, the Son of God. He brings us out of our crippled state and into the fullness of his love. Come to the river. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I reckon this has got to be the hardest season I've ever walked with the body of Jesus in the earth. Everything is groaning in the body of Jesus, crying out, God, God. There's a whole bunch of Jesus people sitting beside a river watching him flow past. That somehow over the last three years that that somehow that that somehow Jesus and his people aren't good enough to to help me do life the way I want to. <laughs> it's all pain. It's all brokenness. It's all 
demonic infrastructure and isolation and spiritual powers and the patterns of this world and all of the spiritual infrastructure that's, that's at play. And Paul says our, our battle's not with people, it's with all this other infrastructure that's going on in the earth. It's, it's, it's this clash of spiritual powers in the earth. And it's going to look like seasons where you, 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 you think you're bringing the Father's loving word to a person called prophecy. And you'll be isolated for it. You'll be sent to do hard time for it. Just because you wanted to bring the kingdom. But you'll feel like you've been cornered. You'll feel like you've been shut down, shut off, and you're not allowed to practice it. People of the kingdom, hear me. The Spirit of the Lord is breaking through in this very hour. These seats may be empty. It's hard not to notice. Every pastor, doesn't matter what badges over the door I speak to all around this country and all over the world right now. Empty seats everywhere. But the Spirit of the Lord is breaking through. There is a river that wants to bring us to our true destiny. The kindness of God in the Lordship of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, is calling the church again. Would you drink the drink that I want to give you? And would you let me well up in you unto life in all its fullness? The river of the Lord. Zoe now. Zoe then. Zoe welling up. Life in all its fullness. My prayer, my prayer, and I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would burden your heart too, is that we would live for the moment where there is no more night that we would live in the night as though it is the fullness of the day that is coming. That we would be the ones who welcome the little welling up work of God in our life for the sake of his kingdom, his name, and our world. But it starts with an invitation to you and to me. The, word, the, the big picture stuff, it starts with an invitation to you and to me. If you would just have a drink, Jesus says, of the, of the water of life that I want to give you, it'll well up. It'll c- completely overwhelm and inform your life. That's how it starts. So let's, uh, let's stand and pray. That's enough from me this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. 
we can fight it, <laughs> we can try and fight it, or we can just yield ourselves to the current of his presence in our life. We can just abandon ourselves to him yet again. That his kingdom might flourish in us, that we might truly come alive here and now, and that we would live in such a way that the river of Jesus' love and presence through our life would just overwhelmingly tell another story of a good king and his coming kingdom. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Touch our lives today. Let the gush begin, Lord. Let the welling up begin again. Let our hearts come alive again to you. Thank you for your amazing, amazing grace. Thank you that you, Lord Jesus, are the gift of God's love to us all and to the world. And that you, in you is Zoe. Fill us again, Lord. We choose today to drink from you. We choose to let you be our good king. We ask, Lord, that you would overwhelmingly order our lives according to, the, according to the current of your grace. Set us free from our needs to be in control and release us into the generosity of the current of your presence in our life. And as you do that, Lord, as we, as we ask you to do that, Lord, I pray for a deep, deep reassurance into the heart and mind of every one of us. We know where we're going. We know where this ends. So we can trust you now, we can trust you tomorrow, and we can trust you into the age to come. We love you, God. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to pray this morning for anyone that feels crippled. Physically, you may have an ailment or a need that needs healing. Emotionally, you may feel stunted and bound. Mentally, you may feel broken and fractured. 